had to make a play. Yeah. I had to make a play. Yeah. I had to make a play. Yeah. I'ma get money forever. forever. I'ma be hustling forever. <clears throat> Recording is in progress. <clears throat> that means you are listening to another episode of Love the Game, the Love the Game podcast. We talk hoops, football, whatever relevant sports topics are on our minds. Find Love the Game podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and at so on social media at Love Game Pod, and I'm your host Ash, also known as at Planet Asha across social media with my uh, Oscar bound co-host Elias Bataya. Where can we find you, E? Find me on social media, Twitter at Real Ignorant E, Instagram at Hall of the Pharaoh. You already know what we do, man. Let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, let's get into it. It's been a, a week, it's like a week break for filming purposes, uh, art and creation. And it feels like a long time. I don't know why that, that week break feels like it was longer than it was. Um, so we'll get back in the groove of things. And starting off, maybe because of that long break and because of doing other things, haven't been paying as much attention to sports or just maybe they haven't been as exciting. Who knows? But I don't have a full MVP and runner up um this week i will say that my mvp is going to be the women's south carolina gamecocks uh who beat uconn obviously women's basketball women's college basketball uconn is like for historically at least in my lifetime has been the dominant force although we've seen over the last few years a little chink in their armor they're not as uh invincible we'll say but they're definitely still always i think a favorite coming into every season uh to win it all and uh yeah the south carolina gamecocks who lost i think to uconn in like the final four um for the women's ncaa tournament last year got somewhat of a revenge uh in a in a um tournament i guess what this last weekend basically they beat uconn uh you know they beat big sister big brother whatever you want to say and i know it felt like a you could see in the team it felt like a you know they got a little weight off their off their shoulders just with that win little comeback from from losing in the ncaa tournament last year uh so just for that they're my mvp i don't have a runner up uh they are unanimously the number one team in the country for women's basketball ncaa division one i think they were number one already going into that game but it like solidified their number one placement uh and i think it might have pushed uconn maybe to number three who knows um but the very least south carolina uh shout out to coach don staley and uh yeah they're doing things them is my mvps you got anything for us yes i do and this is going to be actually on the fly uh my mvp off of one highlight <laughs> is simply gonna be mr keldon johnson from the san antonio spurs previous uh gold medalist of team usa let's not forget that and also last night he gave us a major major highlight with the posterization of grant williams welcome to your kodak moment grant this man just vicious just took out all his anger for his team not being that good right now but it's all right because that dunk was a statement that dunk was the big fu to the celtics and the spurs actually came out with the w thanks to um thanks to their good team play last night so yeah and that's gonna be my mvp just simply off of that one play you know sometimes it can only just take one play 
sometimes it's very simple you know that's how we do things around here you don't like it you kiss our ass thank you <laughs> you know what uh no i love it on the fly there we go uh congratulations to your mvp i will say speaking of teams that suck and taking a lot of aggression out when your team sucks kind of a transition into our first topic because obviously uh well my lakers pretty much suck and you know we can get into that a little bit more but we missed last week so we weren't able to talk about what everyone in the world was talking about in sports with the altercation between isaiah stewart and lebron james uh you saw the play at the free throw line lebron really swings an, an elbow like he was trying to hit that pull now do i think that he was trying to make isaiah stewart bleed or necessarily like connect with his face no but he did intend to swing the elbow to connect with something uh so that incident happened obviously isaiah stewart was not happy blood starts gushing he's really not happy and then we you know the rest is history uh a, a big skirmish right i think there were fines on both sides and suspensions on both sides but i guess my question to you is one you just give me your take like i said we we missed the we missed the boat with filming last week uh so do you think that that was a dirty play by lebron or do you think it was just like you know a microaggression of kind of like losing that they were losing that game at that point when lebron did the elbow uh and just not being as good as you think you should maybe it just came out in the moment or do you think it was a little dirtier and deeper than that you know for me um so lebron's got 19 years in this league and he's a vet and he's pretty much the leader of the vets and so isaiah stewart is a rookie coming in this league and he is from what we've heard from uh nba players around the league he is a very good kid he's a responsible player you know he is all about the game he's all about the fundamentals and getting the job done from what i watched in that game it was uh it was definitely intentional uh no matter what anybody else says it was for sure intentional hit by lebron I believe what happened was LeBron thought that, uh, you know, if uh, I just give this kid a little check, a little chin check, he's just going to take it on the face. You know, he might get a little mad, a little pressed, but I'm LeBron James. You know, I'm not going to, nobody's going to uh, give me shit because I fucking smack this kid in the face. But then the aftermath of him uh, making him intentionally bleed. And that's where it, things kind of got out of hand of escalated a little bit, if you'll say. And from there you know just chaos ensued and isaiah stewart being the young kid he is he's not going to necessarily respect that or take that because you know somebody just made me leak from my forehead and you know that's not necessarily okay and you know i think just maybe like also like uh reggie miller and all those guys sit on the tv it was probably just adrenaline you know and everything that pursued him to kind of want to fight lebron and then lebron of course post game post press conference want to get bold and talk about how oh, you know if people want to get physical with me you know i'm not, i've never been the type to not get physical and if somebody wanted to get physical with me it'd be a mistake and all this and yeah of course he's not lying after i mean like yeah ron sometimes it's like could be like you know a bit soft in my opinion on the court and complains a lot but that's still a big dude and a grown man so i don't know if i like 250 you know i mean yeah it's like Makes a case, but and then I'm just, you know, at the end of the day, it was kind of a, it was kind of a dirty play with the intention of being just like a, a, t a give take foul. Mm -hmm. But 
you just don't do what LeBron did. And, and it was like the little things they did after. Like, if you really study that film of when he gave Isaiah Stewart the chin check, it was it was like the little things like he kind of laughed it off and like thought that Isaiah Stewart just accept his apology and you know and that's not really cool because you could have really yeah. hurt the kid you could have taken his eye out for all you know. Yeah, so you basically think that I mean not that I'm not saying that you're saying that oh LeBron intended to really hurt him but like you, he definitely you're saying he intended to like give him a little something and it just, yeah it was like kind of like a welcome to the league moment that did not go yeah. in LeBron's favor at all and he just really shouldn't have did that you know. Yeah, it kind of makes him look like a prick. I mean again, it because he did one I agree like he meant to like psh, I, I, what I think here let me back up a little bit what I think ultimately happened is like you said LeBron is this old vet you know even though he's still an elite athlete and player um, when he's on the court he's still you know a vet I've been there done that I have nothing to prove you have a rookie coming in who like he's still trying to make his paycheck he's still trying to like not even try to be a superstar but just some dude's they eat off of their physicality, right? Because they're not the star. So he's doing his job. And he's probably like extra aggressive and just like a little gnat in LeBron's face, like, get get out of here. Like you're you're insignificant. I get what you're doing, because you have to, you know what I mean? But like at the same time, I'm LeBron, you're this gnat. I'm about to swatch you, <laughs> you know, like a little, that's what I think kind of maybe was Le- LeBron's mindset but it is a physical sport they are losing right you add these other layers to it so he has a little more heat on it and like definitely meant to check him and then immediately after he's like oh oh, oh, my bad because i think he realized oh i really cocked that fool in his head then you see the blood rushing and again isaiah stewart i think his once you feel because you can't see it you're looking but once you feel and taste you're like, oh, that's blood. And then it just, it's a different level to your aggression. And then all these people are around you. It's its not just that that's happening, but like everything's on camera, right? The whole world essentially, right? Whoever's watching is seeing you just get like, not sucker punch per se, but you're a grown man, right? So I think there's all these different levels to it. And he just kind of, you know, took it to the next level. But I did think that the, the actress were a little much. Like after a while, it's like, okay, you're running over your own team. You're you're not gonna get to LeBron. There's too many people. At some point he should have just stopped. And I think that would have, like, we get it. You know, that would have served him better. But, you know, oh, well, like I said, it's, it's old. We're a little late on that train because uh, we were busy last week, but still have to get, get our takes in. Um, but staying with the Lakers, <laughs> uh, since we're there, they lost last night, uh, which is not surprising to say they lost in triple overtime to the Sacramento Kings. And to me, it's just pretty inexplicable because uh, when I watch them play, they just play ugly basketball. You know, like you can look at something and just a team and you're like, wow, that's really pretty basketball, right? Moving the ball, making the extra pass. They just play ugly basketball, but then they'll have flashes where they play the right way when they do move the ball. And I, Malik Monk and Taylor Horton Tucker uh, and even Wayne Ellington and Carmelo Anthony, like they have shooters. They have people who can score. They have LeBron James who still looks good out there. They have Anthony Davis. I just don't understand why it's not all clicking. And I don't want to put it all on Russell Westbrook because in the last several games, he has lowered his turnover significantly and his, um, his shooting percentage overall. So he's starting to get better. My opinion that it's Frank Vogel uh, and the coaching staff not putting these players in position to be good. 
uh, I say fire Frank Vogel, but is there anything in your mind that you can see? I don't know if you're watching the Lakers games, but I'm sure you, you hear about our record. Is there anything in your mind that's the problem or that would sort of make the situation better? Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of things. I've definitely been watching these games and not not even to hate. I've just been watching to watch because they've just been primetime games and I've been telling all my uh, friends who are Lakers fans and um <clears throat> people who are just, you know, emphasizers on LeBron and their team and I've been watching and it's been disappointing to say the least. Um first of all, the Lakers the Lakers core players, I will say that Melo is showing out right now. Melo is yeah. showing out. He's the best. He one. is one of the best pickups for the Lakers and a surprising dark horse for the Lakers, really, because of all the work he's putting in and all of the just high, high valued stats that he gives them. And um, there's a lot more stress on AD which was the goal to put less stress on him this season with all the pickups that you got. And that's clearly not working. Um, the Lakers clearly need another uh, player or position that could hold them down at the four slash five. Cause Anthony Davis right now is shooting some of the worst percentages he's had on this entire season. He's 16.7% on threes, the worst in NBA history by any player with two more than two attempts per game and more than 20 games played 38% on mid range. He's the worst in the NBA with with any player with 100 plus attempts and 33.1% on jump shots. The worst with any player over 150 attempts. So clearly some formula that you guys have going is not working out well at all. Um, it's also putting a lot of more stress on LeBron because yeah. the basic formula is LeBron not there. Okay, we're going to win this game. Like, it, and it is, that is a tough pill to swallow. Now there have been some Lakers wins without LeBron or company but that's been because uh anthony davis either showed out or in spurts russell westbrook could sometimes have a good game but that's the other thing you've also got russell westbrook being a 50 50 player that's not what the fuck he needs to be russell westbrook needs to be that guy he needs to be that point guard he needs to be that center of attention to where he is drawing good attention not bad attention of just bad shots or turnover ratios or all and it's another thing is it's very clear now that Russell Westbrook is either I won't say he's stat padding, but he is clearly hunting for triple doubles in the season. Oh yeah, and you know it, it's it's not even I don't think it's really that difficult to see anymore that he's just clearly triple double hunting and then trying to go to win the game. If I might be wrong, you know I could clearly be wrong, and this is not to push hate on Russell Westbrook, but it's just like you know. No, the the chemistry is not there. And the chemistry is for sure not there. It's there between AD and LeBron, but both of them have to be well, on the court. They've been there. Yeah, they've been there. Yeah. They have to be on the court at the same time. Um, you're still missing Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, and that, Trevor Reza. That, but, but honestly, I don't, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep this real about Trevor Reza. I don't know if that that venue is gonna be profitable at all. Let's just call it. Let's just call a spade a spade. Trevor, he's he's rusty. He's a rusted old coffee can. The beans. Look, I'm not saying Trevor Ariza is the answer to our problems. I'm just saying for a team that's struggling, if you can add any kind of depth and shooting, it's got it's got to help you more than hurt you, right? And I don't think Trevor Ariza is the answer nor the problem. Meaning, if 
the team was playing better as a whole, if there was better chemistry as a whole, and then you plugged in someone like Trevor Reza, you could get the best out of them, right? Like, yes, Russell Westbrook is, I don't know, stat stuffing, whatever. I saw, I was watching the game last night, and you have Dwight Howard, your center, literally, basically alone, jumping up to grab the rebound, and then here comes Russell Westbrook running in to try to grab the rebound, and I'm like, Russell Westbrook, let Dwight Howard get the rebound. There's no reason, you don't need to help. There's no, the uh, other team is not there trying to get the ball from Dwight Howard or he needs your backup. Now Dwight Howard still grabbed the rebound, but like Russ, he kind of like, and I don't know if that's other teammates being like, nah, bro, like, you know, let us do our job and you do your job, or he just couldn't get to it. But he definitely was going after that ball. And it's just that mindset and mentality. Some, but this goes back to coaching and leadership. You need someone else there who can control this because there is too much actual talent and too much potential that you see in spurts to not have it figured out. Even with Russell Westbrook being 50-50, first of all, he needs to come off the bench and he needs to start Rajon Rondo. Rondo is not going to score, but he makes better decisions with the basketball. He does not turn it over nearly as much. And he has a better three-point shooting percentage. Period. Start Rajon Rondo. Anthony Davis needs to, I mean, he's been a show of himself uh, this season, but he. I think for him, it's mental. It's a mindset. Like he needs to be aggressive and stop trying to be a finesse player and actually take it to the hole and dominate in the post. Uh, so that's the second thing. Then, But then it's like for AD, okay, yeah, you want to be dominant, but then it's at one point you have to consider your physical health and yeah. What got you there before, and you got a whole 82 games to play, including playoffs, right? So now that this is where the stress factor comes in, DeAndre Jordan and all whoever the hell you have at center, this is where they have to be the center because if you don't be the center, that forces Anthony Davis. Like, oh, clear example, last night during the Kings game, when – um, they needed defense on the perimeter on like guys like Marvin Bagley. And when they when the Kings would go five out, they had Anthony Davis at the top of the key guarding whoever was on the three-point line. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be putting that stress on AD to become a perimeter defender. You should be throwing other guys on your sets, and that's also coaching as well, because exactly. that's not putting people in the right positions. And if you're not setting them up for good defensive sets and also one more thing the defensive mindset for the lakers is just completely gone oh yeah they don't even care gone that's the other thing i have not seen a shred of defensive hustle except energy will give these players austin reeves is a breath of fresh air for the lakers oh yeah he's a rookie yeah and he he plays his ass off on defense and he is pretty much other than Anthony Davis the only defensive player I see in the lineup getting shit yeah. done on defense. Anthony Davis I will say he he comes through with very timely blocks he is like I think like over two blocks a game so I mean you know his defensive presence is needed and is there uh, it's just he's you know, he's not on offensively but I don't know if it's age and the fact that you have LeBron you have Carmelo you got Westbrook to where they just like they're over it but if that's the case, you need a balance of healthy, spry young players who can score, but also defend, right? Like, because I, I get Melo and LeBron not going to chase down the ball or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, or save it for the playoffs. That makes sense. But at least coaching goes back to coaching. 
balance it and put players in the right position and have the right combinations of players on the floor together. So, you know, all right, I have three of my best out there. Let me have Austin Reeves and Taylor Horton Tugger. Let me have it, you know, two people who are younger who are going to make that extra effort. And, you know, the, with Russell Westbrook, I'll say this and we can move on. What he is best at is his aggression and going up and down the court, right, at full speed ahead at transition basketball. If you can reel him in, first of all, put him in the, the with the second unit, somehow change his mindset to stop trying to shoot jump shots and stop trying to get triple doubles and just come off the bench with that energy, pushing the ball, fast pace, finding open man, that opens up a world of possibilities and just potential, or just the ability to reach the potential. Right? There are so many things and so many holes. It's, it is what it is. Uh, but defensively, they are soft. And it, honestly, it's just, yeah, it's schemes and coaching. And I think that's the biggest thing in my, in my mind. But they just don't care. Like, there's so many times I just see them put their hands up. Like, that turn, it's just... It's bad, and uh, I don't know if any trades or moves or anything is going to happen um, midseason. I just can't imagine. Look, I I feel LeBron wants to retire in LA just because he's at the end of his career and business-wise, you know, like Hollywood, whatever, all of his other ventures. LA is likely the place that he will stay, but at the same time, he still got some he's still got some left we'll say and i wouldn't be surprised if he said you know what fuck it let me go somewhere else for this one last year or two try to get a ring and then i can go back into la when i retire right like i just don't see him just going out like that and not actually trying to be in contention for one more ring so if they don't figure it out i would not be surprised if we start hearing rumors of uh lebron james wanting to maybe move on or something something drastic james davis uh but it ain't working anyways with that being said we're gonna stay in the west we're pretty much do all we'll see if we get to, to football today um western conference teams and we can go quickly on this Suns or warriors who's better hate to fucking say it but right now the Suns they're on a roll um did they keep the streak going last night? They did. They did. 15 in a row. Yep, 15 in a row, man. That's that's unbelievable, you know. And I hate to say it, yeah, the Suns are just the better team right now just because of the streak, but the Warriors are right there, right behind them, you know. They're right there. The play is great. Um, Steph is on a roll with his team, and he's making his team look great. So, yeah, those two battling front went – Western franchises that will definitely um, we'll have to be looking at as the rest of the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, not to keep harping on the Lakers, but with them obviously being a favorite and clearly looking like they're nowhere near an actual contender. Hey, I mean, and then the Warriors, they were out of it last year pretty much. It's like they're taking that spot. The Suns were there, you know, last year and there were questions about them sort of being able to regain that dominance and they had a, a slightly rocky start. They only lost three times, but they lost those three early on in the season. So it seemed like, you know, what's wrong with the Suns? And they've responded with now a 15 game win streak, which is scary. Um, I think it makes for a, a good potential you know western conference finals matchup i mean obviously it's only 20 games for the season but if we're assuming 
with the Suns and the Warriors being so, it seems like as of now, far ahead of the rest of the Western, if they keep on this trajectory, right, it seems like they're headed for a collision course um, in the playoffs, you know, at some round. But long way to go. Who do I think is the better team? I think I got to go with you and, and go with the streak. I mean, obviously, Warriors are playing great. They still have Klay uh, Thompson and James Wiseman coming back. So that's the only difference. I think for the most part, the Suns are playing with their full squad, um, give or take, you know, some minor injuries. Uh, so I guess you could say the Warriors might have more potential to be better. Uh, but right now, you can't deny that streak. I mean, I don't know the last time a team in the NBA has had a streak that long. I don't know. I think it's probably had, it has to be the longest in a, in a couple of years, right? Like 15? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely the longest in, in a few seasons. So, and, and they, they, they match up actually, I think this Sunday or yeah, I think they match up this Sunday. Um, but the Warriors, I believe play the Clippers as well. So no, I think they play the Clippers this Sunday. I think so. Yeah. Let me check. And then they play, um, the Suns pretty much back to back next week. So that'll be an interesting three games for the dubs. Who you got uh this Sunday? I know what you're gonna say, but Warriors Clippers, who you who you who you think's gonna gonna take that one? If we're not if the Clippers are not on their A game, then the Warriors for sure take it. But I don't know. Yeah. I might uh, mm. You know, the Clippers are on point, and we're getting a lot of our players back. And I'll, I'll say Clippers, but if it's not our night, then it's not our night, and the Warriors are going to take it. <laughs> you know what? The Warriors are just – and, again, this goes back. The Suns are, are deep, too. Like, the Suns are – they have so many weapons. Obviously, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, uh, Cam Reddish, uh, Josh Payne. Uh, is it Cam Reddish? I believe so. Cam- Cameron Payne. Well, I don't know. I said Josh Payne. Cameron Payne. Um, and there's someone else I'm missing on their squad. But they have. No, no I really want to figure out the name, but it, it, I'm blanking. So whatever. I'm going to move past it. They have all, all the, the weapons. And then the Warriors, they have these surprise weapons. Damian Lee, Juan Toscano Anderson. I don't even know half these people. Wiggins stepping up. Jordan Poole stepping up. Uh, Bielitsa. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting two games. We'll see what happens with that. But speaking of Warriors, Klay Thompson is scheduled to come back, I believe, around Christmas or just after Christmas. And also Zion Williamson. These are two stars been missing for their teams all season, coming off of, you know, pretty serious injuries who have been both cleared for, let's say, full full practices, right? We don't know when they're going to come back. my question to you is which player which comeback player they're both stars on their team will have a greater impact on their team uh clay for sure without a doubt um the pelicans are still winning games you know and they're still figuring out themselves as a team and their identity so with zion coming back it's just gonna um they're just gonna have to figure more of a chemistry out and sort of get everything in line and in order which is going to take a while for them, but just because the Pelicans just still haven't figured it out. And they've had a lot of different um, weapons and lineup changes throughout the years. So definitely the Warriors, because it's going to take a lot of pressure off Steph to have to put up 40 or 50 a night. And also now Steph can 
have another weapon essentially and another uh the one of the best if not the best i'll say um two-way guards in the league because clay he's proven he can do it on defense and offense so it's it's not only the offensive standpoint that you gain it's really the perimeter defense you get from clay and what he does on the defensive side so definitely clay on that one clay for sure takes the takes the cake on that one you see i think clay will come back uh individually as a player better right and that's just i think being closer to being in game shape experience just elite level overall two-way player so i think individually he'll be better but then i think that zion is so important to his team like zion when healthy is that team right and clay again a superstar but he's a piece right he's with draymond and curry and these other guys so i think clay will have i guess maybe uh individual stats that are better i think zion if if he comes back you know healthy and right even though it'll take time i think over time zion will have the a greater impact and actually determine some wins where I think is, you know, with the Warriors, they're going to keep winning regardless. And I think Clay just adds to their firepower, like for postseason, you know, but they're going to find ways to win. But with the New Orleans, yeah, they could go from, you know, losing to actually winning more consistently. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think Clay will be better, you know, but I think in terms of um, impact on team success, Zion has the potential to to move the Pelicans further just with him, him coming back. But we'll see how that plays out. I, I hope, you know, just to close out, I hope that they both come back healthy. These are two faces of the league. You know, uh, league's better with both of them. So hopefully uh, they look all right. And, and really for Clay's kind of legacy is, it's not over, but it's kind of cemented. You know, I know he still has more he wants to accomplish, but he has accomplished so much. And with Zion, he's been held back by, you know, just, I don't know if it's discipline, injuries, things like that. So I hope for his sake and his career that uh, he comes back healthy and gets it together because, man, he is a beast and hell of a player. All right, we're going to move into football, but I do want to touch on something in the East um, yay for an Eastern Conference topic in the NBA. And it's something that came to mind because you brought up uh, the Celtics you know, um, very quickly earlier on, uh, I believe when you're doing your MVP. And so it made me think of Jason Tatum, this story I read about Jason Tatum pretty much being a, it was like CBS, no, NBC Sports. I saw it on Yahoo, but it was originally posted on NBC Sports, apparently saying that Jason Tatum essentially is a selfish player and wants to win, but wants to be the guy, right? Like he doesn't want to, I think the quote, that I read was that an an ex assistant coach on the Celtics, like an ex Celtics coach, um, said that Jason Tatum doesn't want to score 15 points and win. He wants to score 39 points and win, meaning he cares more about his individual stats. Have you heard any rumblings about this or seen any similar sort of headlines? Or is this just like a one-off that I happen to to catch? And what do you think about that? It was definitely interesting, um, from an interesting standpoint. Um, I think it goes back to the whole Marcus Smart thing when Marcus Smart was talking about how the game plan is centrally focused around Jalen and um, Tatum. Um, and, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of stuff flying around after somebody 
or a player like that goes out and says something like that. And I think the Celtics, because they're figuring out their new coaching staff and figuring out what the hell they're going to do, especially when um, things haven't necessarily been clicking, it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff just flying around about players and about how their mindset is when they get on the court. And um, for the Celtics right now, I I feel like it's just a, a it's a process that they're going through of chemistry building, coaching lineups, mismatches, positioning, and just where this team is going to offend itself in the playoff picture because. Now, um, as we've seen, Giannis is just the king of the East, and you know that the Bucks are not going away no matter what. A lot of teams are fortifying to make a run again. There's teams like the Knicks now that want to make their pushes. There's all kinds of other teams that made a bunch of essential trades. Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks are still here to stay, and with all those teams in there, um, teams like the Celtics who have been here for years and have had a winning mentality for years now it puts a lot of pressure on them. So. You know, when they're not winning, when they're not having success, well, we will definitely tend to hear more stories like that come out. I will say with the Marcus Smart thing, it's it does kind of shed some light on how Tatum's mindset is on the offense. I feel like since the last couple of years, that's what the Celtics rounded him as. Hey, I wouldn't put it past him if that's his mindset right now because he's been the main go-to and he's had to put himself in that position just to win in the last couple of years. Yeah. So I wouldn't I would definitely not blame him or I would not hate on him if that was his mindset because that's what he's had to do to get by for the last couple of years and be successful, period. So with that being said, it is an interesting rumbling. I I think the Celtics could possibly figure it out as the season goes on. And they're playing with a lot of injuries right now. You know, Grant Williams has been gone. Um uh, we haven't seen Jalen Brown in the last couple of games. But I think when those guys come back and the Celtics are ready, they'll definitely do something important. But they also have to get guys like Marcus Smart more involved, their teammates more involved. They've seen, I mean, you know, Dennis Schroeder, he's also another player who's 50-50 all the time, but he still makes his impact on the team. So it's just, it's for them, it's it's kind of like the Lakers situation, but with less star power and more of just figuring things out and without essentially a good head coach. So they're just under a lot more different struggles than a lot of teams are figuring out right now. But they, they have time to figure it out. They still have time. Yeah, I mean, you make you made a good point because, um, you know, not that I believe this report or not, but it was interesting because of the Marcus Smart thing, right? So I'm like, you know, the saying, where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. So if there's multiple reports, just like, you know, with all the drama with these um, front offices, like the Suns and whatnot, um, where, where there's smoke, there's usually fire to some extent. Right, so it was interesting. So I wanted to bring it up and just uh, get your opinion. But a point you made makes sense to me. I mean, he has been the guy. Um, Jalen Brown, I know also as well, is a young star there, but has been more injury prone and hasn't been available as Tatum has. So on the one hand, this could potentially be a mindset of his, sort of like more of a selfish mindset. I mean, Kobe is, uh, you know, one of his favorite players, uh, which is a very like, I'm about to do work mindset. Um, but to your point, if he's kind of had to do that to keep the team relevant, right? To put the team on his shoulders. So it's hard to ask a guy to do it all or do most of the heavy lifting and then somehow be able to turn off that switch and then like kind of be a team player. So I think if you think of it, um, 
not that he's not again this is just like speculation uh, but you think of it from that mindset it, it yeah i'd be like okay rightfully so like i have to until we have it figured out to your point um but i will say the celtics they need some major change and shift maybe maybe it's coaching maybe it's just like a complete rebuild around tatum and get rid of jalen brown or 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 something right because I, I assume if they're going to choose one they're going to choose tatum um because they have been sort of like on the cusp for several years and at a certain point in time it's like if you haven't done it yet just like with the clippers right like lob city was on the cusp every year right and then just couldn't get it done for whatever reason it could be unfair you know just tough luck injuries but for whatever reason so at some point you kind of have to break it up and be like this isn't working and i feel like with the celtics it's the same thing they're always some like uh, a favorite to at least be a contender and then in the playoffs it just doesn't you know it doesn't materialize the way that we think it should and right now we're seeing that in the regular season so it'll be interesting as well for them like i said with the lakers and and it's funny that this is happening to both franchises just the celtics with a little less star power like you said but the two most historic franchises in the nba are kind of having similar struggles on the um, east and the west so it'll be interesting to see what the celtics do as well come you know mid-season trade deadline uh, or off season, right? I think both of these two teams, Lakers, Celtics, that is, need to have some kind of major just shift or change or it's gonna be more of the same. <clears throat> With that being said, your your boy Cam came back to Carolina. I know he didn't get the W, uh, but how would you grade his performance back and are you excited about his new tenure? Uh, yeah, it's definitely an exciting time. It's it's the juice that we needed as a team, you know. It was looking very dark uh, before this happened, the signing happened. And, you know, people are – all the haters around the NFL are going to harp about Cam is replacing his replacements now with the with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold situation. But, you know, these things are going to happen in this type of league. And, and for Cam to come back and have – the offensive push that we really needed was interesting enough and it was really good to see because a lot of people were going to doubt him and we're going to throw all these sort of craziness at him and whatever the hell they wanted to say but he went out there and executed he, he may have not known all the plays and it may have been a little bit of a learning curve but he came out there and he did what the hell he was supposed to do as a quarterback through the football got yards went out there got completions got touchdowns got touchdowns by his own hands as well right. rushing touchdowns and it's it's just great to see because that's what we needed now we needed to get back to playing football not figuring out if our quarterback was gonna be good one day or so so the next day you know and cam has been waiting for this shot and he's been waiting to come back and uh now with all the injuries aside that he's had in the past and everything that has happened to him before this is a great chance for him to bounce back and see what he can maintain his position in this league and maintain his stature and I feel like the coaching staff and everybody's got a lot of faith in him now because of what he's done and shown that he can put essentially talk the talk and walk the walk now. So now it's just a matter of getting coordinated with the offensive coordinators. I still am going to harp on the fact that Matt Rule and Joe Brady, our offensive coordinator and our head coach, are absolute shit. <laughs> so we, uh, until our coaching staff figures out what the hell they want to do and if they, we want to stay with a college mindset or an NFL mindset that will determine our success going on into the playoffs and into the, the later of the season, the latter of the season, if you will. 
So, but it's good. Cam, I grade him a, a B plus just because we didn't get the win. But he right. is otherwise, I mean, it's not much more you could do. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, this is his old team, but it's a whole new coaching staff. You know, also um, new coaching staff, new support system. Uh, hasn't played in several weeks, right? I mean, I'm sure he's been staying in shape, but they're adjustments essentially, right? Long story short, they're adjustments. But to come in and not really even look rusty, I mean, it's not like he had a perfect game, but uh, ran for a touchdown, threw two two touchdowns, right? Did he throw for two? Threw for two, ran for one. I mean, that's, to me, I feel like that exceeds your expectations um, for a veteran who's kind of had, you know, uh, some turmoil in the last couple of years, not like personal or anything, but in terms of having a place and being stable uh, and, you know, in the NFL as a head quarterback. Um, so just to, to come in and, and have the performance he did have. Uh, and, and look, Cam, I feel like when you think of Cam, obviously you think about his glory days, which I mean, he still has some time in the league, but MVP season, right? Um, Super Bowl season, right? When they went to the Super Bowl. You, you see him in this Carolina Panthers jersey. So it just feels right uh, that he's made his way back. So I'm actually super happy for you. You can tell he's happy to be there. Um, you can tell it feels like home. And a lot of times, again, that's half the battle, just being comfortable where you are and wanting to play there and being, you know, feeling like you're needed and appreciated. Uh, I think that's half the battle for, you know, professional athletes. And speaking of, I'll transition over to, the issue with Odell uh, really quickly because that was something that I thought of too you know him sort of had this idea of him being washed again I don't think he's ever going to be as elite when you have you know these injuries and stuff like that it's hard to be at that elite level again but he's still I in my eyes uh, a very formidable player a very capable player but the idea of him being washed I think a lot of it would have to do with the fact that you know, he doesn't even want to be where he was, right, in, uh, in Cleveland. And so I think that goes a long way. It has a lot to do with their overall performance. Uh, fast forward to him being in L.A., I think, one, just being out of Cleveland is half of it, right? But then also being in L.A., which, you know, he gets along very well with the L.A. lifestyle and stardom and everything like that. Um I think it's a better place for him overall. However, right, the Rams seem to be like on a little bit of a slide, right? After only having one loss in the season, they're now, what, seven and three, which is not a bad record, but they lost two in a row to the Titans. And then they lost inexplicably to my 49ers. I mean, we got a win, so I'm happy about that. But I mean, they got just trashed by the 49ers. They lost like 31 to 10, 10 to 31. Uh, against a not that great team. Um, now, there's some rumblings about maybe the problem is Odell because of quote unquote pressure to get him the ball. I don't necessarily believe in that, but I want to get your take on first of all, the Rams lost a game without him, right? Uh, they hit that first snag, then they lost really badly once they got him. So, do you think there's something there with? Uh, some pressure to get Odell the ball and, and that, you know, it makes the chemistry all wacky. I think it just comes with the name and the sort of uh, environment Odell brings. You know, it's and it's not anything that the team can necessarily control, but 
they can control uh, how they get the ball to him, how they essentially put him into plays, and everything that goes into that is on the coaching staff. And from there, it's just really after that, if the coaching staff and everybody gets it together, it's just on Odell and what he can do for the team. And right now, I don't think Odell is a hindrance to the team because he I don't think he's even played yet. But um the with also the other add-ons and injuries, it's just gonna it's just gonna it's like a bump in the road. I feel like they'll definitely get past this and they'll be ready for the matchup this Sunday. And you know, they're it's gonna be interesting to watch. He um the Rams are saying he's gonna get more he's gonna play more snaps on Sunday. So we'll definitely just gonna definitely see how this plays out. And, yeah. He did um he did play last he did play last week. I think he had a a couple catches, you know, nothing nothing major. Um but you know what I think well first of all I don't think he's a problem. He just got there. They they their their issues started, you know, before him and there's still things they have to work on. So I don't think it's him. Uh, and again, I do think he's still very capable and formidable. So we'll see. We'll see this week. And it's a big uh, matchup against um, Aaron Rodgers. Also, the Packers coming off a loss. So they're going to want to get back uh, on pace and they're going to want to write that shit. But the, the Rams are coming off two losses. So, uh, you know, this is potential uh, playoff matchup uh, Two, I think, very good NFC teams that might see each other down the line. Uh, it's be good, uh, just a good matchup, and see who comes out on top. Hopefully, the Rams, right? If I'm gonna root for a second place team, it's gonna be an LA team. So hopefully, the Rams kind of right the ship. And I also want to see Odell have that game. Like, I don't want it to be forced, but I want him to to have a game where he was a significant contributor to a win in a, a big game of significance, which this one will, because you know it's we're coming around the corner to playoff time, right? And I think both these teams are, are in a wild card, card spot ch- chasing the Arizona Cardinals, who are the best team in football right now. Um, so, yeah, neither team is going to want to walk away with it with an L. Uh, but we'll see. I also think the Rams issues, a little bit of coaching. Sean McVay can get, like, trigger happy with throwing the football. And when they focus, when they're dominant on defense and when they run the football, it opens up just like any team. If you run the football successfully, it opens up the field for you. And I think he's just too happy with Matthew Stafford, which rightfully so. You had Jared Goff, and then you get Matthew Stafford who can sling the ball. Um, and so he's a little trigger happy. So I think if they go back to fundamentals and just make a point to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and not put so much pressure. So I feel like everyone sees it coming. We, they know you're going to have Matthew Stafford launch that ball, and he's been throwing picks. Last last couple games, we've had like multiple pick games, and there are two recent losses, I, I believe. So I think changing the game plan a little bit, putting the ball in, in the running back's hands will help a lot. Uh, you know, but but we'll see. I mean, that's all I got. And I believe that's all we got for this episode. Uh, let's watch some football tomorrow. And, um, yeah, we'll see how these weekend uh, NBA matchups come along because it's a big one. Warriors Clippers and Warriors Suns. So we'll be talking Warriors Suns Clippers next week and rest of the NFL season gearing up for the playoffs.
This has been Love the Game, Love the Game podcast. We talk hoops, football, and all relevant sports. Find Love the Game podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and across social media at Love Game Pod. I am your host, Ash Also at, at Planet Asha on social media. And E, one more time, where can we find you? You know where to find me at Twitter at Real Ignorant E, Instagram at Hall of the Pharaoh. We are out. We out. Wake up in the morning, had to make a play. I had to make a play. I had to make a play. I'ma get money forever. I'ma be hustling.